Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm the host, Scott Nicol, and I'm joined, as always, by Travis Morgan and James O.B. O'Brien. We're here to go through the Liverpool versus Chelsea game on Saturday. We'll give ourselves a few days to get over it. It wasn't much as a, a spectacle. It was pretty dire. Um, you both watched it. I've already asked you. I'm going to get it straight on to OB as a Liverpool fan. OB, I don't recognise this Liverpool. I don't recognise this as a, a Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. There's no intensity. There's no... There's no confidence. We're, we're short of confidence. I know I've mentioned it in another stream before, but we we could probably go 10 hours without scoring a goal. That's the way I feel at the minute. We didn't score against Chelsea. We didn't score against Brighton. We didn't even look like scoring. Cody Gakpo is taking pelters on Twitter. He really is. People are questioning his pace, questioning whether he's a Klopp signing. It's just all gone wrong Big time. Saturday was probably the lowest I felt, which is pretty weird considering we got smashed by Brighton 3-0, but I just had no belief we were ever going to win the game. How did it feel for you? And Jürgen said after the game, it's small steps. It's almost like he knows how bad we are and we're not going to get much better anytime soon. So he's talking about a small step, which I can only imagine he meant the clean sheet. Where do we go yeah. from here? <laughs> wow. Okay. It's a it's a big big question, isn't it? Um, I suppose I suppose what he did was he, he he removed players that he didn't think was putting the effort in. So for starters, I would say that the Chelsea game was an improvement from the Brighton game. Um, the Wolves game we had in between them was an improvement as well. Um, in as much as it looked like players were putting effort in. Now, I absolutely ruined players for not making effort. Um, I struggle with that. I struggle I struggle to deal with that. I think most fans do. And I don't mind if players play badly and have a bad day if I feel like they're putting the effort in. At the end of the day, that's football. Everybody has bad days in every aspect of your life. What we're seeing is we're seeing a, a team that I clearly had to move into and I'm going to use some horrible words, a transition period, just purely through things not functioning in the right way. Um, I think Klopp didn't start the season off thinking that. He started off the season thinking, I'm going to reinvent the way we attack based on Marnigo and Nunes coming in. And I believe I've still got enough in the midfield, enough intelligence. Um, what he didn't bank on, players like Fabinho, um, Trent, to a certain extent, um, dropping off uh, Salah, dropped off tremendously. And then he's had to pick up the pieces of that. Um, we're not seeing the new boys fire, so Nunes hasn't fired. And it's a bit early to call Gapco, to be fair. It's only four games in. He was, and, and Travel tell us, he was never the player who was going to outpace everybody and show startling pace. He's a he's an intelligent give and go um, link up player who will cause a lot of problems from a technical perspective uh, due to his position and his intelligence, his movement, his physicality, um, and we're not playing to his strengths. To be quite honest with you, we haven't played him in his preferred position either so far. So I I can't have a go at him. I would say that Nunes 
hasn't done himself any favours. He's missed an awful lot of chances. But his goal-scoring record isn't terrible. But the team behind them is just not flowing. And let's let let's look at Mo, Mo Salah. I think is is the important one to look at. Now, if Mo Salah was flowing and playing well, he causes absolute chaos because other teams have to double up, triple up on him. We've, we've, we've all seen it. We've seen him go through whole teams and they can't stop him because of his technical ability, his pace, his pace of thought, his intelligence on the football field. What we're seeing this season is a shadow of, of the guy that we've seen in previous years. And that's got to be confidence because physically his attributes are still the same for me. I still believe he's young enough to be a great player and there's no sign of him aging from a pace perspective or intensity of what he's trying to do. He's just, he's low in confidence. And I think when you've got key players low in confidence, I think you see what you're seeing is a real stalling of a team. They're not moving the ball as quick. They don't look confident. They're giving the ball away a lot. I mean, the first half against Chelsea, both teams were just giving the ball away constantly. And it was it was just horrendous to watch. It was two poor teams, um, really, wasn't it? It was, it was absolutely. And in, in, in the second half, Liverpool had about 10, 15 minutes where they looked all right. And then Chelsea come on quite strong um, as, as the half went on and, 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 and caused us a lot of problems. But I think, I think for me, I think we're, we're in a period now where Klopp's have got to sort this out really, really quickly and try and get us on a run. And he'll know how close we are to doing that because he'll see us on the training field every every day and he'll think to himself, okay, so who can I use? Who can I not use? What system can I use? I do think you need to do something with a system. Um, we are seeing a little bit more of a, a movement towards we're not really pressing anymore, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's a, that's a change. So that's a tactical change. So has he decided he's not going to press? I think he has. And it's probably to protect the midfield areas. Is that something he wants to do long term? Absolutely not. So is this a stopgap? Yeah, it is. And I, I don't know where we go with that. Because if we've got to do that to the end of the season, I can't see us getting top four. But if this is just till we bring in somebody, I can kind of accept it and I understand the, the short term necessity. So overall, the game was not very good. I thought Chelsea's new boy looked particularly good. Um, I'm worried about Gapco shooting, but I think he was snatching the same way we've seen Nunez snatching at the ball. And I think it's far too early to be calling him, calling him out and going, you're not good enough because the guy clearly is. I think he had a good World Cup. He scored a lot of goals for PSB. And I think he, um, I think he's a capable player. He just needs time and he needs to come into a team where we aren't having so many people low on confidence, Scott. Do you, do you think we've been a little bit unfair to him, Trav? In that he's kind of been thrown in at the deep end, hasn't he? He arrived. He started all four games since he arrived. We've had Nunes go out the team. We've basically not flogged him to death, but he's been straight in, sink or swim. So there's been no blooding into the side. There's been there'll have been minimal training around our system this is what we expect from from a player like you in the system that we like to play and it's it's hard not to feel sorry for him in a way that he's not coming into a successful side that was flying like Luis Diaz did um and I'm not going to judge him after only four games but I am going to judge him <laughs> um, I, I wished for more I wanted more I hoped for more mm. uh, I know you said in the group chat Man United have dodged a bullet 
I don't know if you are being serious. Uh, give give us your professional thought, non gassy yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Reminds me, I don't want to relate it back to United, but it does remind me a little bit of when Jaden Sancho came in at United. And um, obviously Sancho is is a similar type of winger to Gappo in terms of wanting to link with people. Now, when you're linking with people, you do need people that come short and you do need people that go in behind as well. But it needs to be sort of telepathic. It's routines that you practice when you're that type of player because he's not one of those people like a Diaz who just wants to rip you apart one-on-one and, and is very direct like that. So, like, when Sancho came in at United, he struggled because he, it's like everything was sort of in front all the time and, and he didn't have people wanting to do those little combinations, running in behind and, and things like that. So, when I look at Gakpo now, he's walked into this Liverpool team and, like you said, because it's not fully functioning he is going to suffer because he's not that sort of direct one-on-one player. So it is definitely too early to judge him because if Liverpool have bought him, they've obviously bought him knowing what his attributes are. So there's obviously got to be a plan for him, for him to get the best out of him. And what that is, I'm not quite sure. That brings me on to sort of a broader point. And um, when I look at Liverpool... Now, this is me, like, no banter as professional as possible. Like, I just, everything just looks and feels up in the air to me. Now, I don't want to mention the manager because I've mentioned him a lot in the group chat and stuff. But, like, I think because of the ownership as well, same with United, I think the difference between United and Liverpool at the moment is that our manager's just arrived. So you would expect that he's going to be staying for a number of years. But I think because of the players and the situation with some of the players ageing and some of the players have been there a long time, I don't think you can confidently say that a lot of these players and and it's, and the manager as well, a little bit, that you're definitively confident that they're going to be here for the long haul. Now, that's, that for me is being reflected in the performances because I'm not saying you're seeing a lack of commitment necessarily, but... I think there are shades of it a little bit. Players like thinking, oh, well, what's going on? We don't know who the owner's going to be. Klopp came out in his pre-match and said, I've got another 10 years in me, if you want. I, I watched it. And and that, in in some ways, it's, it's very positive because I think he, what he's saying is, I've got the energy to go again, you know. Like, I really want to go again. I love this club. But I think he's also, at the same time, questioning the board saying, if he, if I'm going to go again and I've got all this energy, I'm going to need the backing. Do you know what I mean? Or so you're not going to get the best out of me. Like I can't. I think what he's saying is you can't just sort of. I'm not. I'm not saying 200 million every year. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. But I think what he's. It is a little bit of a rallying call out to the board saying, I need more than what I'm getting if I'm going to really commit to rebuilding the team that it needs in the way it needs to be rebuilt. Because let's be honest, it, like you said, it needs a couple of midfielders. It needs freshening up. Some bodies need to go out as well. And I think what he's saying to it is, I want to do it. I've actually changed my stance. Like, 
I'm actually hand on heart saying I think Klopp does genuinely want to stay, but under the right conditions. I think he he needs assurances that he's going to be backed properly, that everybody's moving in the same direction. The ownership that comes in really wants to like take the club forward in the right way and invest in the club in the right way. So that's genuinely what I'm seeing at the moment. I'm just seeing a lot of uncertainty. The fans don't really know what's going on, and that's going to transmit to the players because the atmosphere around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, if, it? It's probably a good point. If you think of it now, there'll be a certain kind of feeling that we're almost writing the season off, OB. Would you imagine that? We don't know who the owners are. We've got players that are injured. It's all a bit futile. Let's just get to the summer, see if we've got new owners, see if FSG are going to invest in, and buy a couple of top quality midfielders. It's, it's, it's all a bit of a, a washout just now. Do you think that's transmitting to down to the players? And off the back of that, do you think Jurgen Klopp got his lineup wrong on Saturday? Because when I seen the lineup, I thought, what, what is he trying to do here? Harvey Elliott is a right-sided player all day long. He's either right-sided the front three or he's right-sided the midfield. Starting him on the left was like, what on earth is going on? Gakpo is in the middle. Um, Trav has watched more European football than me. He said he's more a winger and he, he looks like a winger. Even when Nunes come on, you thought, right, Nunes up top, Gakpo out on the left, let's see what we can do. But he didn't, he put Nunes out there. So when I looked at it, I thought, Elliot will be on the right. Salah loves it in the middle. We all know that. He loves it in the middle. He loves getting goals. That might be somewhere for his, his last year or two at Liverpool, where he is in the middle, a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo, when he hasn't got as much pace. Um, so did he get his, his, his lineup wrong? Should it have been Gakpo, Salah, Elliot on the right? It could only be what he's seen in training because there was no indication he was going to do that in the previous games. Um, and I have this feeling that he's seeing stuff in training and there's obviously something going on with a few of the players, whether it be um, they're seeing data and numbers and knowing that they're getting really tired or whether people have got injuries and he decided to go down that route. It did look like it was strange. Um we often we puffed at points, but I couldn't see what the tactical strategy was with doing that as well, Scott. So for me, it was a weird one. There must have been a thought process behind it. Um, Klopp is very, very good at tactics and little changes, subtle changes that make a difference in games. You just didn't get that one right. And I don't know what the, the Elliot piece was. Um Sticking on Harvey Elliott, I don't know what his best position is, Scott. <laughs> I think he's there's a player there. And I know you want to say something like at another club or something like that. No, but, I've, 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 he's impressed me um, yeah. with his desire. Uh, so, no, I'm not writing him off. I, I, I put it in the group the other day that I commented on a Facebook page that he should be in the reserves. His best position yeah. should be in the reserves till he's 21, 22. He's got a bit more man muscle and he can handle himself. He's, he's equipped for the Premier League. This isn't fair on him getting chucked in at 19 years old. And I know, and I wrote it on Facebook, I know everyone will say, yeah, but Jude Bellingham's 19. Jude Bellingham is a, is a man. He's an absolute specimen, an Adonis. He's a freak of nature. So you can't compare two 19-year-olds. When you look at Harvey Elliott and the way he moves, you would you would like to think that Liverpool would try and develop in the same way as, as Foden. Left-footed, mm. low centre of gravity, moves like that. 
And where is Foden best in and around the box, making things happen, trying to create things? That, that's the type of player I see when I look at Harvey Elliott. I don't see him as like a midfield player going box to box, trying to smash people and make things happen from, from a central, like a deeper central area. He needs to be in and around the box as much as possible. He's, he's such a good dribbler. I think he's got an eye for a pass. I think he, he looks like a very, very creative player. So that's where I think he should be playing. And if that means the system that you're playing doesn't fit him, put him on the bench and change it when he needs to come on. Like you said, he's young and he's got lots of years ahead of him. Shouldn't be trying to shoehorn him in to a, to, to a team that's like like not fully functioning. But going back to what your two's point was in terms of whether this energy will be transmitting to the players, I, I think... It's not just the players. Like, like you said, all these players have got agents, they're being advised. All these people that are involved with these players are going to be just as uncertain as the fans. Like I asked the other day, and I was, I think you thought I was bantering, and I was like, have you heard anything about the, the takeover? I was being genuine because, like you said, your takeover or your announcement that you were potentially being bought out actually came before United. And I think I've heard more about United than your own. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think they said... United, we're going to be getting some sort of serious bidders by sort of like the end of March time. And that's caused quite a lot of excitement that there's a little bit of a partial, like soft deadline. But I've not actually heard anything about yours. So if, have you if anything, Yeah, if anything, it's gone the other way, Trav. It's they're, they're dousing the flames. They're distancing themselves. They're basically saying they're not looking for a sale. Well, if obviously what you read is true, they're not looking mm. for a sale. They're looking for like a... Uh, an investor, which to yeah, me is a partial, what, a partial investor is, partial is investor. the word. That, yeah, which is an interesting concept because if I was a partial investor and just thinking about the finances behind that for a minute, so so what you, you you're going to get what in the club and you're going to have to you're pay off a load nothing. of money. You're going to exactly. if, if you invest five hundred million for a twenty percent stake, all you're going to be interested in is dividends you can take out. It would yeah, be catastrophic absolutely. for us as fans if if that was something that went through because FSG would take that five hundred million and go and buy this basketball team. It really would be catastrophic. So it's a buyout, yeah, or bust, like it and lump it and just suffer FSG in their sell to buy model. The main people that are going to suffer are the fans. Like it's not fair on the fans, really. Do you know what I mean? Like. You two are passionate Liverpool fans, obviously, all your life. And, and it's it's what you sort of, you've been looking forward to. And you've always had your ups and downs with FSG, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, There's been periods of time, like, period, like big chunks of supporting Liverpool and, and FSG and their lack of investment at crucial times and stuff like that. And like, like I said, you've had a, such a fantastic manager that it sort of takes the focus away from it. It, it, it really can do that. Um, but like you said, the reality and the crooks are is that there is a lot of uncertainty at the moment. And until that's cleared up, when when that's going to be cleared up, I don't know. I think you're in the dark as much as everybody else. And I think that's the key factor at the moment. If, if we, we don't know as fans what's going on, the players are obviously, they might have some more information, but they, there's going to be players that are uncertain with what's going on. You've got Klopp, who I think wants the challenge, but he, I don't think he's going to stick around if he's not properly going to back, be backed with a proper project because he's such a good manager. Do you know what mm. I mean? He's going to be, he's such a good manager, like a top, one of the best in the world without a shadow of a doubt. Why would he stick at a club as much as he loves Liverpool that with this squad, 
isn't going to be equipped for challenging for the big trophies when he's been so used to doing that. See, this is this is the thing, Obi. I'm sure you'll agree with me. If you were ever gonna leverage the club and gamble, because that is what it'd be, because you could gamble, raise the two hundred million, and it all go wrong. Easy, easy. But if you were ever gonna do it, it would be with Jurgen Klopp at the helm. Surely to God, if you're not gonna do it for Jurgen Klopp, you're not gonna do it in four years' time for Pep Linders or six years' time for Steven Gerrard. You do it, it's, it's pretty much now or never if they can't find a buyer. Um, but I just, I can't see them doing it because if they do it for Liverpool, they've got to do it for the baseball and they've got to do it for the basketball and they, they won't do it for all the franchises, will they? Or will this they? Is, this, is where, this is where if they want to hold on to Klopp and Klopp's aware of that, Klopp can leverage it himself. But he can only, and I think I said this quite a few months ago. this is ago, what I don't get. Only, if he, he, could, if he could, one, yeah, but if he could, why hasn't he done it before? I don't know. I don't know. But he, he should be able to do it. Because if he... Can you imagine, right? I'll play your scenario out for you. And, and they must be playing. There's a little bit of politics in here. But if Klopp said, give me 200 mil or so quit, and I'll go, okay, you'll quit then. And he goes and quits, and that story comes out. FSG would have an absolute right on hand. They, they wouldn't survive it. They'd be forced out of the club. We'd be looking at Everton-style scenes probably times 10. It, it would go really, really badly wrong. So Klopp must realise that. And he must be able to turn around and go, right, OK, give me the money. Because there is no, there's no saying no to that. There is no saying no to that, Scott. They, the, the owners of the football club cannot say no to Klopp on that one occasion when he does that. And I suppose the only other thing is, has he done it previously and gone, I want this player as I've gone. And if he has done it once, who was that? And was it, and, and has he has he used that once before? Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know the ins and outs of it. And the second point is, if Pep Linders and Steven Gerrard's our next two managers, we've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Do you two think he's got to that point now, though? Like I'm, like I'm saying, in, in that sense, like, do you think there's a conversation to be had in the summer, or do you two like genuinely feel confident, like, oh, no matter what, he's definitely going to be our manager, regardless no, of what no, happens? No. We, we covered it in the last poddy, Trav. Yeah. For his own career, his own sanity, his own pride, he cannot continue on the first of September with another thirty million pound net spend summer. Selling Kelleher for twenty million, selling Phillips, Nat Phillips for fifteen million, so that's thirty-five to go. So sixty-five million to spend, thirty million net spend. As he cannot go through, and he cannot rescue this team, this squad, this club with another thirty thirty million. So I don't know what's going to happen. Here's a question for you, Scott: If we don't spend anything in this transfer window, and then we go out in the summer and purchase Jude Bellingham, for example, and that's already a done deal or whatever, right? And we go out and do that. Does that make it all go away? That's a, a mad, mad question. Because if you, you're handing me Jude Bellingham, I'm, I'm obviously giving you one player. I'm giving you, I'm giving you Jude Bellingham in the summer. Yeah, I'm giving you Jude Bellingham in the summer. But do all the problems go away? No, no, 
He can't, and, he can't that, run a whole that, midfield on his own. As good as he is, I know Thiago, yeah. uh, if he has some legs around him, can be a baller, but he's got his injury problems. No, I don't think it would be enough. We need two, two, probably yeah. three. Oxlade Chamberlain out, Cater out, Milner out. We need three to replace uh, them. Probably cut our losses on Curtis Jones if we could get 15, 20 million for him. Um, and then Harvey Elliott and Carvalho, they're just too young. Henderson turns into the, the Milner of the squad, the club captain, the wise head on his shoulders, 15, 20 games a season max. Fabinho, ship him out, gone. Uh, I, I don't know, but just to... I've got some in-the-know information. Uh, big up to Dan of Two Blues. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to his channel, check it out. It's really good videos. Two Blues, two Chelsea fans. He texts me tonight saying that Bellingham is a done deal. Okay. He what, said he Liverpool? knows. Yeah, he said he knows people in the Birmingham area. One of his best mates is mates with Jude Bellingham. It's what his family have wanted. It's been tied up since last summer, and he said he's gutted because he wanted him at Chelsea. Um, he also did give me some information on Declan Rice and where he's going, but he did say it didn't come from me. So I'll tell you privately after here, just in case Dan's watching this. So yeah, I mean. On that report that I watched, I don't know if he's any any has watched that video on the Liverpool money today. It was an hour long video, but I watched some comments after that, and apparently the way our finances have fell, because our finances go, I think it's March to March to, or February to March, so there's been a big chunk of money probably from getting to the Champions League final that hasn't been recorded, and apparently we have got up to two hundred and fifty million in the summer spare not even raising funds. But I sound bipolar now. I guess <laughs> I'm like, we're in the mud. <laughs> FSG are skin. They'll never put their own uh, money on the line because they'd have to do it for their other franchises. So I don't know what way to go. You tell me, that's what, what way and is that's it going to go? Thing. That's the thing. No one sort of knows at the minute. Um, but it, like just said, quickly, I, I, Trav, if we get 250 yeah, million OB, yes, it'll be enough. We'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Caicedo, Bellingham, and then who would I have in that hole? Enzo Fernandez. There you go. Two hundred and fifty oh, wow. million. <laughs> <laughs> We're back, baby. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, let's end this video with another one one word answer. Liverpool top four. And it's probably going to be an easy question. Trav, are Liverpool going to get top four? Not for me, no. Obi? So, win our game in hand would be seven points behind United, who are in fourth. Um, will them still play Anfield? God, right. Okay, always back your team. Yes. Sneak in. <laughs> Uh, I'm going it's to be totally honest. Oh, of course, it's anything's possible. Win, no, no. win five games in a row, and the world can look rosy again. But no, I think we're going to be miles off it. We're going to be nowhere near, absolutely nowhere near, unless unless Diaz comes back from injury soon, Van Dyke comes back from injury soon, Jota comes back from injury soon. 
you know, things can turn around quickly in football. Look at Arsenal, look at Man United. Right, boys, it's been a pleasure on a, a Tuesday night. Thanks ever so much for your time. If anyone's made it this far, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you all on the next video. Cheers, gents. Cheers. Cheers.